Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips, episode 145. This is Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He is Justin Anderson, way out west in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, home of the Saskatoon Berry, which was actually a hot topic of discussion for me this week. Uh, how, how are the Saskatoon berries, Justin? They're very good. Uh, my, my parents have some bushes back home. And uh, my mom has brought me some Saskatoon, so like a container, like a kind of a yogurt container of them. And then a she also <laughs> express posted me a little bag of uh, Saskatoon berries as well this past week. So, yeah, uh, I'm in I'm in full Saskatoon mode. It's it's my it's my favorite berry, and it's not even close. Fair. Uh, I like blueberries myself. It's my yeah. my number one berry. Uh, that being said. I don't know if I've ever had a Saskatoon, and I've been wanting one ever since I discovered them. So, well, I don't have, have to come I don't out have west. Space. <laughs> yeah, or I could, uh, you know, buy a shad bush at, uh, you know, my local Home Depot. Yeah. Find a spot to plant it, and then I'll have some berries. But uh, let's just get right into it, Justin. Obviously, not an ideal week for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, but we're going to try to look on the bright side of life. If you've ever seen the Monty Python movie, The Life of Brian, uh, always look on the bright side of life. So, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it could always be worse. We could have went, uh, what was it, 0-5? Oh and, oh and we could have went 0-5. Oh it could have been 0-6 oh oh for the week. Yeah, that's because cool. we, oh we got lucky because one of the games against Boston was rained out. So, um Oof. That was that was supposed to be the Thomas Hatch start. <laughs> so, but it looks like we're going to get a Thomas Hatch start most likely in in, in Boston because Alec Manoa is actually going to go to a rehab start with the Dunedin Jays. He flew down to Florida today to make a start there most likely tomorrow. Uh, I guess he looked good in his bullpen that he threw this week, but they wanted just to give him some some competitive innings before bringing him back just to, into the the bonfire that is the Boston Red Sox. They are hot. They uh. They were getting no hit by Domenico Herman today in, in, into the eighth inning until they scored five straight runs and ended up winning the game five to four. So, yeah, you don't want to face. I, don't, I would not want it to face Boston right now. And we'll talk about the Jays facing Boston for the next four games towards the end of the show today. So, good times. Um, Yay! Reminder where you can find us: Twitter, we're at BFMD Podcast. Also, BFMDPodcast.com. You can find the episodes there. Hosted on Anchor. You can listen there, Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more places. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode. Uh, first off today, we've got a little bit of news to cover. It's breaking hot stove news. The hot stove has gone up to a light simmer right now. Uh, TJ Zoik was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals for a uh, money bag of cash. I'm thinking like Scrooge McDuck gold coin bag of cash right now. Yeah, uh, like a sack with a dollar sign on it. Yeah, like some real yeah. cartoon shit. Um, TJ Zoic was DFA'd not too not too recent or too re- very recently, and this trade is part of that. So he is no longer in the Blue Jays organization. Has been shipped to St. Louis. He did uh, get a couple of starts, three starts for the Jays this season, and has appeared in five and five games total. 15 innings, a 6.6 earned run average, Patrick Marsh. 
Um, mm. the, the big numbers for him, the fact that he was walking more than five batters per nine and also giving up more than three and a half home runs per nine. That was his issue this year. The ground ball percentage was still at 47, which is right around his career marks. Uh, career MLB mark is 50.9. His minor league numbers have been anywhere from 60 to 55-ish, somewhere in that range. He had a decent season in Buffalo. He was 2-3 and three with a 4.03 earned run average. Um, just his biggest problem is that he doesn't really have a swing and miss pitch, especially at the MLB level. He was never able to miss bats, and obviously the walks were an issue. Uh, a sinker baller who's sometimes his sinker doesn't sink, and that's an issue. You know what? Uh, we all had high hopes for him coming into the season. I had said many times going into the season, I thought he would compete for the number five. Um, it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> he just there just what there wasn't uh, there was no first pitch for him. I mean, he's got he can throw at least four different pitches, but. None of them are like the get me out of this jam kind of thing. You know, Robbie Ray has the slider. Yeah. Uh, and Ross the has fastball. the changeup. Yeah. Liu has the changeup. Um, he just doesn't. He doesn't have that get me out of their uh, pitch. So, uh, you know, maybe a fresh start in a different organization might help. I'm skeptical, but <laughs> uh, St. Louis needed some some depth arm and uh, i guess we uh we like our comically large bags filled with cash with a dollar sign on them so uh i don't know who knows maybe they're stocking our soda machine for the next two years i don't know yeah speaking of soda machines uh i i uh, watched Moneyball with taryn for the first time yeah uh, a couple days ago and it, that reminds me of when david justice is asking why soda is a dollar in the clubhouse in oakland so <laughs> it's hard it to is... explain but they like to keep the money on the field. They like to keep the money on the field, yeah. <laughs> All $38 million of it. Uh, anyway. Um, let's talk about the results. Yes, let's, let's get into some of the results. So as mentioned, uh, there was only two games against Boston because Tuesday's game was, was rained out. And smartly, they elected to wait two weeks and they'll end up playing that game in Toronto as a part of a split doubleheader. So the Jays were like, let's get double the ticket revenue out of this game. So they're making it a split doubleheader, so not single admission. So the games will not start half an hour apart. There'll be a bit of a gap. It'll be like a day and night sort of deal. But with the roof and with the friendly confines of Rogers Center, which we will see in a matter of uh, a few days here by on Friday, it's going to be going to be a blast. But uh, regardless, the Jays did play two in Buffalo, their final two games. The first game did not go anyone's way particularly friend of the show, Ross Striplings. Uh, he managed to only get one out in this game. I think he only threw like 33 oh, or 35 pitches or something, but he gave up yeah. four hits, including two home runs, walked two, and was charged with six earned runs. Um, Anthony Kay came in to attempt to mop up that inning and, and get some length, but he was only able to go an inning and a third. Also gave up two home runs, three walks, five hits, and five earned runs. So after the top of the second inning, it was 11 to nothing for the Red Sox. Now, the Jays' offense did have their chances. They scored four runs in the fourth, and at the time that made it 12 to four. Uh, but overall in the game, they were one for 12 with runners in scoring position. So they had some chances, but obviously when you go down eight to nothing in the first inning and then give up three more in the second, the percentages, I didn't look at the win probability scenarios, but the percentages coming back being down 11 to nothing um, in the second inning are probably not very high. 
So regardless, the Jays lost that game. Um, thoughts on that one, Patrick? I don't want to delve into the numbers too much, but what were your thoughts on that game? Did you watch uh, it? Uh, I watched the first inning. Yeah. And uh, that was that was that was it for me. Yeah, uh, I, shout uh, out to the bullpen though. Uh, yeah. Barnes, Richard, Sacedo, Baraki, Simber, Meza. Uh, they were all, uh, you know, they did a good job. We were down eleven nothing before uh, the bottom of the second. Uh, and if you're interested in the win percentages, uh, there was actually a bit of a, uh, a, a dead cat bounce effect. Uh, going in in the bottom of the first. I don't know if you guys have heard that analogy. Even a dead cat will bounce. Uh, It's true. But uh, the percentage went from uh, less than five or something like that to when Jays had two on and no out and Vladdy came up, it went up to 9%. uh, And then they proceeded to do nothing. Uh, and it just went, it just plummeted. And then, uh, I think it was there, it was 12, nothing. And then they scored the four runs and it was like, you know, they were getting base runners. It was just, they weren't driving them in. The Jays went yeah. one for 12 with runners in scoring position. Even if they had an additional three, uh, hits with runners in scoring position, uh, this would have been a more competitive game. I feel terrible for strips. Obviously we're a fan of him here. We've had him on the show. He's had a massive bounce back, and you know his ERA was well under, uh, you know, it was approaching, it was approaching four. Yeah, it was approaching. Yeah, it was four under years. four. It was for a moment, it, it was under four, and then it was very not under four, <laughs> and um, a very tough outing for him. Post game uh, comments, uh, and I mean. Fucking Jay's Twitter was all over this. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, I was so frustrated with that. Uh, Strips was very candid during the the, the post game presser, finding out that the Jays are going to Toronto is obviously terrific news for the team, for the fans, uh, but for individual players, uh, it presents a fresh challenge, which is that uh, if members of the family are not vaccinated. Uh, there's like a mandatory quarantine and uh, I guess it just makes things more difficult. Actually, I, I couldn't tell you whether what the implication was exactly, but uh, Strip said that uh, his wife and baby, five-month-old baby, uh, were not making the trip, which is hard. So, I mean, him going out onto the diamond and to try to pitch knowing that he wouldn't see his children or his child for like two, at least two months, it's hard. It's hard on these athletes. It was hard for a lot of those guys in the NHL having to be in the Canadian bubble and have be isolated uh, to some extent from their families as well. It's not easy. Um, so I get it. Um, he, yeah, he didn't look sharp at all. It's, there's no reason to hammer home the point that he had a bad start. Yeah. Uh, every, Jay, every Jays pitcher has had at least one uh, in the last couple of months, except maybe Robert Ray. Um, there's really not much else to say. Strips, nope. strips deserves deserved a better uh, better recognition for the quality start that he's put in lately. Uh, before Jay's Twitter just piled on top of him and blamed him exclusively for this loss. Right. Um, Anthony K only pitched an inning in the third, and he also gave up two home runs and five earned runs. And uh, you know it's. It was a bad game. 
it was just a bad game. Boston's bats have been just been unbelievably hot lately. Uh, and they've been carrying their lackluster starting pitching. But it sounds like they're going to get Chris Sale back soon. He's making rehab starts, I believe, this week. Yeah. Uh, so they'll get, a, they'll get a boost after the trade deadline, most likely, with him. So Boston's got a pretty good team. I know nobody saw it coming, but uh, most people had them picked to finish fourth this year in the division. And here they are with 55 or whatever games left, 60 games left in there leading the entire division. So, uh, it's game worth two. saying, go ahead. It's worth, before we, before we let it go, it's worth saying like, okay, look, the, the, the Jays, are they a good team? Yeah, they are a good team. You could, there's tons of empirical evidence to prove that they're a good mm-hmm. team. Uh, and it's not just that there are some of their parts. They have uh, a ton of extremely good promising players. Um, but sometimes a team gets everything going perfectly, and a team like Tampa, a team like Boston, when they get going, you're already starting off being the third-best team in the division, and now that the Yankees are coming on, it makes it hard. It's a tough division. This was always going to be uh, the case this year, whether or not Boston uh, overperforms or not. This is just reality, and I don't know. I, I just think it's worth taking a step back and realizing that the Jays are still, you know, a good team in a tough division. I don't know. Right. I felt like ranting about that. I don't know oh, why. I just, fair enough. Um, Tuesday's game was rained out, as, as mentioned. On Wednesday, the Jays had Robbie Ray on the mound against Garrett Richards, who the Jays had hammered, uh, but he was actually pretty good against the Jays. Robbie Ray went five innings, Patrick Marsh. He gave up three home runs. Uh, contributing yeah. to four earned runs, uh, four strikeouts and a walk. Jays lost this game seven to four. At one point after the sixth inning, it was uh, six to four or six to uh, five to four, excuse me, for Boston. Uh, but Jordan Romano actually gave up uh, two runs in the in the eighth inning on two solo home runs, which was very unRomano esque. But he hadn't he hasn't been pitching a lot recently. Obviously, that was coming off the All Star break, so first outing in a while. Um, if, if I'm correct, I don't know if he's even pitched since then. So uh, there hasn't been a lot of save opportunities for the Blue Chase recently. Yep. So Romano got a little bit roughed up there. The Jays were 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position in that game, which is also another issue that we have. Uh, all said and done, they lost both games against Boston and finished uh, their time in Buffalo with those two losses. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the, the fans in, in Buffalo and Western New York for supporting the team. Obviously, uh, a weird season, um, and, and they've hosted the Jays for, for two years now, but now they get their team back. The, the Bisons are coming back from Trenton, New Jersey, so they'll be playing, playing back at Salem Field, and those guys, those AAA players, are going to notice all those upgrades made to the stadium, like the new bullpens, the batting cages, all the weight room facilities that have been there, so definitely uh, a good job by the Jays to, to give their, their farm system and the guys who are closest to the big leagues uh, a boost there as well, too. So thanks, Buffalo. We appreciate you guys greatly. And hopefully we can uh, maybe move those Montreal preseason games to Buffalo instead of Montreal. That would be my preference. Yeah, I, I'm on board with that. I think having a team play in Montreal, is it's fun. It's very cool um, to, to do it. But I think Buffalo has demonstrated, you know, their support of the Jays above and beyond. They had better attendance than three other MLB teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the two, the two uh, Florida teams, and then I can't remember the other team, uh, that had better tenants. It might have been Arizona, but um, yeah. So playing in a AAA park really didn't. Uh, I think stop it was actually Oakland out. that they had a better attendance then. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe it was Oakland. Um, but st- 
still going into Toronto now with a cap of 15K, I'm pretty much guarantee you uh, that uh, a majority of the games for the rest <laughs> of the year in Toronto are going to be sold out or pretty goddamn close to it. Yep. There is going to be, I think most of the stadium is supposed to be vaccinated. You have to proof the vaccination. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't believe so, but I, I could be wrong on that. I don't remember seeing anything about that. I know they have some socially distanced sections in the 200 level outfield okay. features, I think, but I think the rest of it's kind of just normal status quo seating in the 100 level. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, the Jays obviously lost those two games, and then they went on the, on the road to Queens to play the Mets for three games. It's my first time actually seeing uh, City Field for, for an extended period of time. I haven't watched too many Mets games in my life, and it was, it's a nice ballpark. I like the, the, the right field dimensions are kind of funky, but it's, it was a nice, it's a nice park. I like that, I like that a lot. Um, but the Jays gave Stephen Matz the start on his return to Queens on Friday, he gave up two runs in the first, but then was really good for the rest of his outing. He went five and two-thirds. Uh, those two runs came off of a home run into Big Meat Pete, uh, who had a great series for the Mets. <laughs> uh, Mats did walk three, uh, but struck out five, gave up four hits. Five and two-thirds, lowered his ERA down to 434 for the year, so not a bad outing for Steven Matz. He'll take that. One out away from a quality start. Uh, Simber came in to mop up that one out in the sixth, and then Sacedo had a clean inning in, in the uh, in the eighth before, or the, the seventh, sorry, before Baraki ended up giving up another home run to Big Me Pete uh, in, the, in, the, in the eighth inning there. The Jays could not muster more than three hits. Uh, McGill, whoever the heck he is, I had never heard of him before, Meagle, uh, he was very good in that game. Edwin Diaz, yeah. who had blown three consecutive save opportunities coming into this game, Locked down the Jays in the ninth uh, for his 20th save of the season as the Mets won that one. Not too much, Dad. Patrick is just a, a pitching clinic put on by the Mets in that one. Yep, uh, that's pretty much all there is to say. You can't win a lot of baseball games with just three hits. Yeah, uh, and definitely can't win if you've got no runs. I didn't check to see what their runners in scoring position was in this game, but it, if it wasn't, wouldn't have many one, chances. <laughs> yeah, it would have been O for O. Uh, worth noting that uh, you know we're we're seeing a lot more of these games where the Jays are are not getting hits uh, are not getting the timely hits and then you know the next game they'll go out there and they'll hit you know fifteen they'll get fifteen base hits and win the game and it all will look well but just they're I mean it's just continuing they're what seven and ten now in July something like Is that. It, yeah, if this isn't the time for the, for to get shut out three nothing, uh, and to squander a, a quality well uh, as close to a quality start as you can get from Steven Matz without actually pitching a full six. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. It's it sucks, but um, great performance by I think it's Tyler McGill. Yeah, uh, he's only twenty five, um, so young guy. I think he's just got a. Uh, the call up or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's only got a handful of starts. Yeah, but uh, he looked great. He was he he dominated, uh, especially in a dangerous lineup like the Jays. So kudos to him. I actually like the Mets. So like this doesn't, I don't know, losing sucks, but like I like the Mets enough. Yeah, guilty. I'm guilty of having Pete Alonso on my dynasty team. So his two home runs are helping me to uh, win my matchup this week by the looks of it. So. Well, there you go. Bittersweet for me. Um, but 
On on Saturday, as you mentioned, the Jays came back and piled a ton of runs. They mixed the lineup up in this game, Patrick Marsh. They moved George Springer into the leadoff spot, moved Guerrero from three to two, moved moved Bichette from two to four, and dropped Samin from one to three. Teoscar Hernandez stayed in fifth spot, and then they actually followed it up in this game with Guriel, Biggio, McGuire, and then of course Ryu in the pitcher spot. Uh, that shakeup proved instant dividends as the Jays piled on 17 hits, five of which were home runs. It was the fifth or sixth time this season that they've hit five or more home runs in a game, which leads baseball, and they won 10 to three. George Springer also made an absolutely insane diving catch running away from the infield to the left center field gap, diving and landing on the warning track a few feet short of the wall, full out head first dive. Uh, and that's that likely saved a double and, a, and potentially a big inning. Hunjin Ryu was on the mound. He only went four and a third. The Mets were able to get 10 hits against him. There was a, yeah. a few a few hard hit balls, but the majority of everything were these little loopers and jam shots. That I, I counted three or four when I was watching that were in on the hands and just muscled into the outfield. He didn't give up any home runs. He struck out four, only walked a batter, and was, was only charged with three runs. He's able to work around those jams because he is an ace. Those three runs did come in the fifth. Uh, he didn't throw a ton of pitches in this game, but uh, just wasn't able to to get outs, really. Uh, Richards ended up coming in to mop up Ryu's fifth, and he was credited with the win in the end. He had a, a, a compl- uh, he threw an inning. He threw one out in the in the sixth as well. Uh, he struck out three and gave a hit. Meza, Sacedo, Simber, and Dolis uh, went the rest of the way and put up some zeros. So that was good to see. Springer ended up with two hits, including a home run. Guerrero Jr. just missed a home run. He had an absolute piss missile, 115 miles an hour, uh, three quarters of the way up the wall in left center field. It took about three seconds for the ball to get there, like, pretty much. Uh, Samin had a home run. Bichette hit a ball into the second deck and left. Hernandez had two home runs. Uh, and, and, the, and the top five in that order really uh, did what they couldn't do the day before and, and got on base and driven a bunch of runs. Guriel had a couple of hits. Biggio had a hit. Maguire had a hit. The only starter spot who didn't have a hit was the pitcher spot uh, until Santiago Espinal came in and fixed that. So uh, there's a lot of hits around the board. The Jays only struck out three times and walked three times. So it was just it was an offensive uh, explosion. For the team, and it's something that was drastically needed. They beat up former Blue Jay Taiwan Walker, who looked to maybe tweak his shoulder a little bit at during a swing. He kind of grimaced after yeah. it, and his left shoulder was kind of just dangling there for a while. So I haven't seen any updates on that, but we'll be really curious to know if he has to miss any time or if it's just something that was minor in the moment, and maybe he'll just need a good massage and he'll be fine. But uh, what would you were you able to watch that game, Patrick? I know you didn't watch the first little bit. No, um, I didn't, I'm trying to remember, this was Saturday night, wasn't it? This was yesterday evening, yeah, Maybe, yeah, I guess it would have been night for you, I keep forgetting that the three hour time difference, yeah, it started at yeah. eight, 8 o'clock your time last night. I, I, had my, I had my dad over, so we yeah. we did not watch the game, we were chatting, uh, but I had my eyes on the score the whole time, yeah. um, so I can't really comment on whether or not Ryu looked good or not, the line doesn't look good at all. Um, but I mean, they won 10 to three. So what is there to say too much? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. What I would like to say though, is that very quietly, one of our relievers has really turned it around. Maybe not so much quietly. Um, but if you remember back in, uh, April and, uh, a little ways into May, 
Tim Mesa had an ERA of zero, and then he had a few very, very bad appearances. Um, so go back to the, the game. There was a game against Houston. He got lit up. Uh, he had back-to-back blown saves against Atlanta and Philadelphia, May 13th and May 14th. Uh, and then he had another bad start against Tampa, uh, and then he was injured. But since June the 20th, Tim Meza has played in 21 games, 17.1 innings pitched, just two earned runs allowed, yeah. 17 strikeouts, ERA of 1.04. Opponents are hitting just 153 with an OBP of just 180 against Tim Meza uh, since June the 20th. You'll have to see it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, complete stabilization. Uh, he's having a great year. As of today, uh, end of game today, his ERA has dropped down already to 3.98. So definitely one of those guys that we can rely on in the pen. Uh, what a comeback story for him. And uh, I'm, I guess I'm just happy happy to say, you know, he's, he's, he's been fantastic, uh, you know, in the last uh, month or two months, basically. So he deserves sure. a lot of credit. A yeah. lot of credit. Speaking of today's game, uh, the Blue Jays did drop today's game five to four. Uh, it was a it was a good it was a really good bounce back start for Ross Stripling. He scattered five hits and one earned run over five innings and struck out six without walking a batter. It's great to see that. Ryan Barucki ended up getting a blown save. I always forget how wonky the save statistic is because he got a blown save charged in the sixth inning. He gave up a yeah. two run home run to Pete Alonso. Who else? Uh, second time Alonzo yeah. took him deep in the series. Very predictable moment in the ball game. It looked like the Jays had all the momentum and everything yeah. they needed, and then Barucky looked awful. I was surprised they brought him batter. in to face that that part of the order. I don't get it. I don't understand the strategy. Maybe they're trying to save arms because obviously playing the, the Red Sox, this is the biggest series uh, of the year for them coming up here starting yeah. on Monday. Uh, but Barucki, um couldn't hit the strike zone. And when he finally did, uh, Pete Alonso punished him for it. Uh, and then I think he might have faced one more batter after that. And then he was out of there uh, pretty pretty damn quick. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, uh, former yeah. Met Jacob Barnes got charged with the loss. He came in after Barucki couldn't get out of that sixth. And he couldn't do anything either. He gave up a walk and two hits. Ended up getting charged with two earned runs. Yeah, Mesa came in and was able to get out of it, uh, and he also pitched another batter in the uh, in the seventh inning. Thornton pitched two uh, two outs of close ball, and then Delise was able to mop up the eighth and relatively quick Rafael Delise fashion, which we don't come to expect. Um, it was another game of some missed opportunities. The Jays had some leadoff doubles. They had a runner throw. They had Springer thrown out stealing third base. They had Kirk get picked off of first base. There was definitely some mistakes on the base pass that, that contributed to to the lack of runners in scoring position. Hitting, I didn't actually look at the box score for this one either. But uh, um, the top of the order had some hit, had hits again. Everybody through Springer, through uh, through Hernandez, the top five all had at least a base hit. For, all four of the RBIs came from both two from Bichette and two from Hernandez. Uh, the bottom part of the lineup didn't really do anything. And we, as mentioned, Kirk Kirk did have two hits. He had a double and a single, but was picked off on first base. So that puts a damper on it. So after the uh, the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth hitters combined for only two hits. So not a recipe for success there. Um, yeah. 
tough one. I mean, the Jays ended up getting another. The Guerrero walked in the ninth with, with two outs. Um, and then Bichette came up and, and struck up to end the game after Guerrero had advanced to to second on a pitch that was just a bit outside from from, uh, from Diaz. He completely whiffed on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, but, yeah, it was a tough way to end a series. Both teams were able to get nine hits today, but, again, the Mets, on behalf of uh, Pete Alonso, were able to, to win this game. Um, yeah, tough to tough to end a weekend, tough to end a week one and four. And it doesn't get any easier, Patrick. Uh, any closing thoughts on the Mets series? Uh, there was one key moment in this ball game that was that really stung, and that was when uh, Kavon Biggio had the bases loaded, two yeah. out in the eighth inning, I think it was. Uh, perfect opportunity. All he needed was like a slap single, uh, anything uh, mm-hmm. at all, and the Jays uh, would have had a big enough lead. They would have been able to close this one out. But again, uh, misery at the plate for Kavan Vigio with runners in scoring position. Uh, it's starting to become a very repetitious story, which is frustrating for him. But obviously, you know, I, I'm not going to judge him based on one at bat, but it, it's a story that continuously uh, repeats. Uh, Kirk wasn't much better. He also had the bases loaded opportunity and he popped one out to I think it was the second baseman before yeah. him it was just and and Grichuk was 0 for 4 today and left a lot of base runners uh on base as well so like just that bottom part of the order again you know strips pitched well today he pitched yeah. very well and he just he got a little bit of support on his way out the door uh the boys at the top of the order getting it done um, but other than that, the, the depth hitting just wasn't there, uh, and they weren't able to close this one out. It sucks. It's a tough one, but, uh, you know, let's get to the standings. Yeah, looking at the standings right now in the American League East, Boston is leading at 61-39, and 39. one game behind them at 60-40, and 40, the Tampa Bay Rays. Nine games back of Boston are the New York Yankees at 51 and 47, and then the Blue Jays are currently sitting nine and a half back of the Red Sox at 49 and 46, and they are four and a half games back of the second wild card spot, which I believe is still held by Oakland. Um, the Rays hold down the first wild card spot, and they are four games ahead of Oakland. The Jays are eight and a half back of them. Obviously, a crucial series coming up with the Boston Red Sox. Four games at Fenway Park. Patrick, I'm not sure about you, but I think if the Blue Jays don't go 3-1 and one here against Boston this week, uh, we can pretty much write off uh, any chance of the division win. I think we're already past that point. I think the focus needs to be on being able to keep this team close enough to the wild card that they can take advantage of other teams faltering and squeezed in. But uh, this was a week they really needed to put, uh, you know, even if they could have floated 500, gone 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. Obviously not meant to be because of the rainout game, but um, this this was it. This was the weekend they really needed uh, to take advantage of the fact that they were six games above 500 and they were within, you know, uh, the short hairs of uh, of Oakland and just it was tough. It was tough, tough to watch, but um, yeah, um, that's yeah. that's the way that's the way she goes. But looking ahead to Boston, it has been confirmed uh, by Caitlin McGrath at Caitlin McGrath on Twitter. Thomas Hatch is going to start tomorrow's game <laughs> against Nick Pavetta uh, in, in, at Fenway Park. That will be all, all the games this week are at 7:10 Eastern time starts in the evening. 
Uh, you can catch them all on Sportsnet. You know, weird. Now that hockey's over and there's no Sportsnet ones, which is kind of nice. <laughs> we get all the main network games. So it'd be Pavetta, who just pitched relatively well against the Jays. That was the game that Stripling got lit up in. Um, he's going to pitch against the Jays again for the second time in a, in a week. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not confirmed for the Jays yet. If they keep the rotation on regular scheduling, it would be Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, and Hunjin Ryu to follow. There is some talk that we might see Ryu pushed back to start the Toronto home opener uh, on Friday. If they keep the rotation as is, it would be Ross Stripling who would be lined up to, to play uh, to pitch that July 30th game against the Royals uh, at home at Rogers Center, which would be kind of interesting for a guy who's never pitched in Toronto as a home player to uh, to get that chance. Ryu would be able to be the same way as with Robbie Ray. Uh, so it, it's looking <laughs> as though... I, I'm not sure what the Jays are going to do here. I think they're probably just going to keep it on regular uh, regular rotation scheduling. They're going to need Ryu to pitch against Boston. I'd rather see him pitch against Boston than Kansas City. You want your ace to pitch, pitch against the team that you really need to beat. So uh, Ryu, Ray, and Mats would be a pretty good uh, pretty good combination in those Thursday through Tuesday games there. With, with Hatch going tomorrow, it'll be Hatch followed by three lefties most likely. Um, Richards is going to pitch on Tuesday. Tanner Houck will pitch on Wednesday, and Eduardo Rodriguez will pitch on Thursday for Boston. So their starters are already announced. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough. We all know what happens at Fenway Park. It's really anything can happen. Games are never over there until the final outs recorded just because of how weird that ballpark is. It just seems like if there are ghosts, and I don't believe in ghosts, but they definitely haunt Fenway Park, and there's always some weird shit that goes on there. So it's kind of like the trop, but like doesn't look shitty. <laughs> Yeah, if that makes any uh, sense. <laughs> you know what? I love it when the Jays play at Fenway because I actually, I, I, I love the ballpark. I can't get enough of it. I I'm just really enjoy, uh, you know, watching the games and just the, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe it's just some sort of mystical allure of hitting a ball over the green monster. Right. I don't know. I, I just think it's cool. I'm good. Like, I mean, obviously I hate the Red Sox forever, but whatever, you know, they're going to exist no matter what. It's worth noting that despite the fact that we are 49 and 46, we have played five less games than the Red Sox. Uh, not that that means anything if you don't win them, but yeah. it is worth pointing out that, you know, having played less games, our record might be a little bit, uh, a, a little bit deceptive at least. Uh, being 49 and 46, um, still not great, but uh, sitting at four and a half back. You got to win them. We have to win the series. Yeah, got to win three to one here. Yep. If we don't win the series, then we're not gaining any ground and we're just treading water until the end of the year. In which case, you can say hello to, you know, an 84 and uh, 78 record, which gets us nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, nada. So this is it. If they're going to win. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez hasn't really been that great this year. Uh, 5.23 ERA, he's vulnerable. Uh, Garrett Richards, 4.99 ERA, another guy hasn't looked that great. Uh, Boston's been able to overcome, you know, poor performances by them by being able to hit, uh, like, an absolute dominant machine. Yeah. Uh, and, and even Nick Pavetta doesn't look overly dominant. He, he's had a great year. Um you know, comparing him to some of our uh, starters the last three or four years. But I still think that the Jays do have 
uh, you know, the hitting tools needed to do this, but the, the bats collectively have cooled off, and it'll be very interesting to see whether or not a trip to Fenway uh, lights a fire under their ass, or if this is, uh, this will be Boston's coup de gras on our head uh, as far as uh, potentially making the playoffs. Yeah, so let's look a little bit past this Boston series because when the Jays come home on Friday, Patrick, that's also the day of the trade deadline. The trade yep. deadline is going to be at 4 o'clock Eastern time on the 30th, which is a couple of hours before the Blue Jays are going to make their home Toronto debut. Uh, it, it was originally scheduled to be on the 31st, but they moved it up to Friday just because there are some day games on Saturday, and that would just make the kind of logistics of trades weird. Guys would be getting pulled out of games, potentially, so they just put it on the 30th. It's a bunch of evening start times. Um but the question that I want to ask you, and, and this week is going to determine a lot of it, but are the Blue Jays buyers or sellers, Patrick Marsh? This is a really good question that I thought a lot about. Uh, and the answer to this question got more and more negative as the week went along. But then something <laughs> else interesting happened where I thought about long-term implications of buying or selling right now. And for me, the answer is neither. They're not going to buy and they're not going to sell. And here's the reason. They shouldn't be buyers because this team is uh, firmly out of a playoff spot right now. And unless they sweep the Red Sox and then, you know, sweep uh, the Royals immediately after them, they're, they're, they're far enough back that I, I don't think it's worth investing resources in buying rental players. So if they're going to buy, they're going to buy players that have, uh, several years of control. Otherwise, what's the point? You're just wasting resources. Right. Uh, and they're not going to be sellers because there's nothing on this team worth uh, that's expiring that's worth trading. You are way better off giving a qualifying offer to Robbie Ray and a qualifying offer to Marcus Samin as a baseline because you'll get compensatory picks for them, which is going to be better value than whatever we could get from any team at the deadline. You're not going to get, you know, much better than a top, a fringe top 30 prospect for either one of them, um, unless you know LA is really desperate or San Diego is really desperate. Uh, and even then, I I just don't think it's worth it. And I think it's worth it uh, not to trade Robbie Ray because I think they're going to want to angle themselves as the team that you know signs into a long-term deal. Right. By all accounts, he likes it here. Uh, he gels well with the rotation. He's a great counterpunch to Hunjin Ryu, so why would you trade him? It just doesn't make any sense. So I don't think they're going to buy, and I don't think they're going to sell either. I'm not saying the season's over and they're screwed. I just don't think it's worth it to go in either direction for the reasons I've already said. Sure. What about you? Uh, where where yeah. do you land on this? I, I'm of the opinion that they'll be buyers, but I don't think they're going to make like a, like a Max Scherzer level acquisition or like a comparable <laughs> to a David Price that they did back in the in the glory days of five years ago. Um, yeah, I think your points about Samin and and Ray are very valid. Uh, Caitlin McGrath wrote a great article for the Athletic this week talking about how it's of her opinion that the Jays should actually look to extend qualifying offers to both Ray and Samin in the offseason. The a qualifying offer last season was $18.9 million. Marcus Stroman took a qualifying offer from the Mets. Um, it's hard to turn down $20 million. Obviously, it's not a long-term deal. But if players reject a qualifying offer and sign elsewhere, 
the Jays would get compensation draft picks or a compensation draft pick per player uh, at the end of the competitive balance round B. So basically at the beginning of the second round, um, the value of those picks is kind of qualified to be or calculated to be around $4 million in worth. So it's a, it's a good, I guess, secondary consolation. And a lot of teams are hesitant to sign free agents once they have rejected a qualifying offer. The Jays threw caution to the wind and when they when they signed George Springer, but obviously he's a one of the better players in the league and was the best free agent of, of his class. And Robbie Ray and Marcus Smith are going to be in that in that category too. So extending qualifying offers almost seems like a certainty if both players are still Blue Jays at the end of the year. And out of the two, I, I'm in the firm firm camp that Robbie Ray is the better long term sign over Marcus yes. Smith. I would love to see them both back. Don't get me wrong. Um, and if Marcus Smith's takes that one-year qualifying offer, it may be another perfect year to give uh, a guy like Austin Martin or Jordan Groshans, both of whom are actually tearing up AA right now, an extra year to get through AAA and be ready for their big league debuts sometime later next summer or into 2023 season. Uh, help is on the way in that middle infield, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be buyers. I think they're going to look for more bullpen help, and I'd love to see them sign like a like to get to get like a Robbie Ray or a Ross Stripling type starter that they went after last year, kind of a guy who's maybe having a sort of down year but has that upside that maybe a, a guy like Pete Walker can find. So um, I think the yeah. offense is looking pretty good. If you can ever upgrade on say like you find like a power bat to play third base that could be like a a Santiago Espinal with power, or if you get Corey Dickerson back. I'm not sure what his timeline is, but he's an instant upgrade in the outfield to lefty bat that could take a lot of Gritchick at bats away, which I think is what the Jays really need is to get less Grandville Gritchick at bats. Uh, but the bullpen and well, the starting rotation are definitely the biggest areas of need for me. The, the, the hot stove ha- rumor has it that Jose Ramirez is available yeah. right now. And with the tw- uh, 2022 and 2023 team option, very friendly. Uh, very friendly, so he's probably going to covet relatively decent return, which uh, the Jays could handle. Uh, he hasn't had a great year. Uh, he's seen a 40-point dip in his batting average. His OBP, though, is still all-star level. He's still an all-star hitter, uh, still you know quality player, uh, and it fills an immediate need for the Jays. Excuse me, a third. Um, it would suck for Santiago Espinal. Uh, and it would suck for Kevon Biggio, uh, but it would be great for the Jays to have uh, a player at the corner like Ramirez for two years at least. Uh, and if he can't get him to sign a long-term deal, then in 2023 just flip him. But right. I'd much rather I'd much rather deal for Ramirez than get anywhere close to re-signing uh, Marcus Semin. Semin's actually cooled off in an incredible amount in his last 30 games. He's gone from being uh, one of the top hitters in the league by average and by power to, uh, you know, he's still having a power, but not much of anything else. He's only hit 244 in his last 30 games, and he's actually only hit 175 in his last 15. So he's cooled off a lot. That's why I don't think anyone's going to bite when it comes to trying to deal him. I mean, it's just not worth it. So play the year out, let him do what he can with uh, AL East hitting learn a big juicy contract somewhere else adios i don't know what, what you trade for uh ramirez but um, it would be top 10 prospects for a guy yeah like you'd 
probably be like one and then maybe one top 30 pitcher. Uh, the Jays do have middle infielders to burn, and I do know that uh, Cleveland is missing a certain shortstop uh, <laughs> who signed elsewhere. So they're looking to rebuild that team, and they don't have the money right now to pay. Yeah, they have uh, the lowest payroll in baseball this year. Yeah, so they're they're obviously trying to do something different. So, yeah, I would deal for Ramirez as a long-term thing. Uh, and, you know, George Springer... Uh, it, it sucks, I mean, because he got hurt, and we haven't really had a chance to see what he's made of this year. He's we started to see it this games. weekend, my friend. He was we are. very good in New York. It's, it's worth noting, though, that by the end of the year, he's still he's only going to have played, you know, a max of like 70-ish games or something like that for yep. us. Yep. Uh, so we're only just seeing this team hit its stride at the plate. Unfortunately, some really costly losses uh, in the, the dog days of summer uh, might have made the trade deadline a little less interesting. But we'll see. Sure. I do would want you deal, to... Would you would... deal for Ramirez? Or would you uh... deal for somebody in Colorado, maybe? I thought that there's a lot of talk about you know, John Gray being available or maybe Trevor Story or maybe uh, Charlie Blackman or who knows. I would I would probably deal for for John Gray potentially I I I'm just not sold on Ramirez as I, I as a as a long term fix for the team just with the, the the depth of the prospect pool that we have coming up I don't know if we necessarily we're going to need a third baseman uh, very soon because uh, the guys that I was mentioning earlier uh, Jordan Groshans and uh, our friend Austin Martin I want to talk about those two guys just for a second before we finish today. Um, Jordan Groshans has been an absolute tear. He's hitting 400 in July so far. Patrick Marsh. Uh, mm. He started off the season in May, hitting 240. He upped it to 277 in uh, in June, but is hitting 400, 491, and a 533 for an OPS of 1024 this month. His average on the season is now 298. He's only had five home runs in 178 at bats. Uh, but he's driven in 29, he's scored 32, and obviously the on-base percentage is approaching 400 at 375. The other guy in New Hampshire that Blue Jay fans should be eager to, to keep an eye on is obviously Austin Martin, who is currently leading the Northeast AA League on-base percentage. It's up to 417 uh, after today's action. The Fisher Cats, by the way, were wearing uh, Blues Clues jerseys today, and they were, they were fire. Uh, so that's pretty shout out, shout out the blues clues but uh martin's average on the season is 274 he's obviously had he's, i said he's got a 417 on base his slugging is a little down he hasn't had a lot of extra base hits there was a while where he had gone a lot of that bats in a row before he tripled yesterday on the year he's got nine doubles two triples and two home runs he's been hitting near the top of the order most of the time leading it off a lot so obviously the run driving situations aren't there a lot it's worth noting that neither guy is striking out a ton. Martin's walks to, to strikeouts are 36 to 52. He's also stolen eight bases in 11 attempts. Groshans has walked 22 times against 39 strikeouts. He has not attempted a stolen base yet. But both guys have, have spent time at shortstop, at third base. Martin obviously playing in center field a little bit, or most of the time anyway. Um, Groshans even has a game over at first base. So... There's definitely some, some a good chance that, that Groshans pl- starts playing more time at third base, especially once he gets into the AAA scenarios, and that's where the Jays are going to need him. 
especially if they don't re-sign Marcus Mean and Kevin Biggio shifts back to third base. Third base is going to be an area of, of, of need, so I think if the price for Ramirez is right, I'd love to get him. But if we have to give up a Gershwin's or a Martin to get him, I don't know if I'd do that, just because of the fact that both of these guys are like in their early 20s, and Jose Ramirez no longer is. So, um, yeah, I, I just like, I want to see these prospects develop. And Ramirez is 28 years old, to be 29 in September, so he's... He's got an extra seven years, eight years on Jordan Groshans of age. So, I don't know. I'm yeah, so torn. I think, you... I, I think we become attached to these prospects. And obviously Ramirez is a superstar. But you, you, you just got to think, like, is is it really worth it to give up uh, all the prospect capital for, for a guy like Ramirez? I don't know. No, it isn't. No, you're right. It isn't worth it because one of these guys could end up playing third for us in a matter of like two years. So there, it just, it really, it just depends on whether the team decides that now is the year that they want to push to make the playoffs. I, I, I think Atkins has demonstrated that he is a very shrewd negotiator. Yeah. Uh, and it's all year long. It's been nothing but like small, but smart moves. And I just don't see this team suddenly out of the blue deciding they're going to change up the way they do things. So I'm good with it. Like I'm good with this team, uh, you know, not making any, uh, any deals at the deadline and just, let's just see what we got. You know, we get, we get 83, 84 wins. That's what we get. I don't yeah. see the windows being open yet. I know a lot of fans keep going on over it's and over. Open and over and it's open a crack. It's like, yeah, we made the playoffs last year, but did it really matter? Because we got our asses beat bad by Tampa. Now, we may, if we make the wild card game, we're going to get our asses beat again by Tampa. They're just a good team. They're built right now for success. Why yeah. invest resources in, uh, you know, getting our asses beat our time hasn't come yet it's coming but it hasn't come quite yet agreed yeah but uh, with that being said we'll wrap things up there for today we are going to come back after the boston series uh it'll be thursday evening so we'll have four games of fenway to talk about and we'll see if any jays have uh jays trades have been made prior to the trade deadline that'll happen on Friday afternoon, as mentioned, before they return to Toronto. So for Patrick Marshall in Halifax, uh, Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon, thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode. Whether you listened on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, or somewhere else, we appreciate you doing so. Give us a follow on Twitter, at BFMD Podcast, and if you're looking for the episodes in blog format, you can find them on our site, bfmdpodcast.com. We'll talk to you all Thursday evening.